0: listenership that's a big deal so it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast all you have to do is download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today
1: the head of the modeling agency uh, wanted to make a band like a boy band like uh, uh uh if you can google it by the way like we were uh kind of known throughout the lands of panama you are in a
0: fucking boy band what the fuck is going
1: on right now dude <laughs> and it was organized by the modeling agency head right and he just picked, <laughs> okay hold
0: on he put... <laughs> <a second. laughs> so you went to, to go be a fucking model right yeah. you go and you take their pictures they go listen this is not gonna work. in five four three two one what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the genius brain podcast i'm your host david so and today on Artist Spotlight, no, it's not a section I've said. <laughs> so recently uh, on this podcast, I've been, you know, kind of on the hunt looking for new artists to kind of highlight. So before you, I had somebody named Jason Chenney, who's a super funny stand-up comic that kind of came through here. And This is like a lot of people on the space that I don't think people know of as much as other people, right? And I know this sounds a little weird, but for me personally, I'm a very spiteful human being. So there's just a lot of really terrible people. And not, not in terms of like personality, but in terms of their talent, they really fucking mm. suck. And so my 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 thing is like, okay, since I have a platform, I'm going to find new people mm-hmm. and then bring them on this podcast and kind of give them a lot of spotlight. So for yeah. you, I I found you through the most just just IGTV. I don't know I don't know who posted you, really? but somebody posted you doing uh, a, a version of Willy Wonka's
1: True Imagination, True
0: Imagination yeah. on on the on the guitar, and you yeah. play. So if for people who don't know who this is, this is Ruben. Juan, last name's Juan? W-A-N, yes. Okay, Ruben Juan. And um, yeah, I found you through Instagram and it it kind of blew me away. I was like, who the fuck is this guy, right? And you look super fucking young. Um, so welcome to the
1: podcast. I'm actually 56. <laughs> um, thank you very much for inviting me. It's super random. I've been a fan since I was like 17. Oh, that's crazy. I'm actually 26. So, oh, really? Yeah, I'm 26. Do you look 17
0: right now, dude. <laughs> That's fucking random.
1: I've been in LA for eight years. That's um, crazy. But I followed you since I was in Panama already. Really? Like, actually, we would, I would sit with all my cousins, my sister, we like, six people would just watch. Uh, first, like, through JK News, and we would see, like, the um, the interactions there. And then by myself, I would just, like, go through your YouTube and search for most popular and watch all the... Uh, and like the... How fucking... You know what's so random uh, about that, In too? Panama, by the way. This is Central America. Yeah, that's it's so It's not like crazy. I'm in LA, like I discovered you through a friend. Like, it's just... I'm in this tiny little town in Panama with all my Asian cousins just watching JK News and then by myself, I'll just like that's
0: nerd out so on your stuff. fucking crazy. That blows my mind. Yeah. Because I forget that when we create these videos, it goes outside of Los Angeles. You know, because when we create these videos, we're not really... Th- I'm, I mean, I, I think... Me and J.K. Are, are a little different in the sense of that we didn't. I think we just created it just because we liked to, yeah, yeah. right? That wasn't an objective of ga- garnering millions and millions of views. Mm-hmm. It was just okay. I think this is funny, and I want to do this. Let me see if people enjoy it or if they if they enjoy what we talk about. And it just it's kind of weird because the, the person before here, Jason, he also watched me when mm. he was uh, younger as well too. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's just very odd, like because I don't I don't think about what happens when I create the video and who it affects, right? Yeah. We just we just kind of create stupid shit and we yeah. talk about dumb stuff yeah. and then we see what happens. Yeah. How fucking insane.
1: Even on a personal level, like, it's not like a 10-year gap like me with you, mm-hmm. but I get, uh, like, with a 5 years gap, because I've been creating for the past eight years since I've been in LA, right? Yeah. So I have fans that have been following me for five or six years and they come up to me and they start singing a song that I wrote five, six years ago. How like, random. Wow, like, first of all, how do you find this random video I did six years ago? Mm-hmm. And two, you actually took your time to learn the lyrics and learn the actual melody to my song. Yeah. And then you have the balls, like, the like the chords should come up to me, say hi, and then start singing it right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. like, wow, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How did you start getting into music? Like, into music? Yeah. Um, specifically playing the guitar.
1: Oh, specifically guitar. Uh, I've told this story. A million times. Uh, I was probably 15 years old. So 10 years ago, like around 10 years ago. And I was uh, in high school at that time. It was probably, I think me- between middle school and high school, right? And I just wanted to pick up a, a new skill set. Yeah. And I was very bored, summer vacations. I tell my mom, mom, uh, there's this guitar course at uh, my current high school. Like, can I enroll and like do this summer course thingy? She's like, sure, why not? And I'm like, oh, cool. And then mm-hmm. she bought me my first acoustic guitar. And from there on I just practiced and practiced. I learned four chords in three months. It mm-hmm. took me three months to learn my first four chords. Why the uh, fuck did it take you so long? Because <laughs> I only had one teacher in the school, right? Okay. And then <laughs> I was like, four chords th- th- and he, goddamn, dude. And he was uh, a painter, he yeah. was an art teacher that knew a couple guitar chords, right? Yeah. And the duration of a course was three months, right? And every single day, he would be like, here's the four chords. And here are all these songs that you can play with the four chords. And he would just tell me to shed those. And for some reason, like my 15-year-old self, I was so in um, enamored or just like so passionate about. Just even though my fingers hurt like crazy, I would just sit outside of the classroom. Even after the class, because we only had like one hour class. I would stay there four hours just trying to nail these four chords. For the whole two, three months, I was there just nailing these four chords. And that's how I fell in love with the guitar. But the true reason was to pick up girls.
0: Of course, that's how it always did. Why the, why the fuck else would anybody pick up a fucking instrument? But the, the problem with
1: that is uh, I was pretty, I was way chunkier back then. and But it still fucking works. <laughs> it always works. And girls were impressed by the skill, but they weren't in love with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how I... should like... play the guitar with your penis. That would have been different. Yeah, that would have been, <laughs> that been yeah. really talented. <laughs> that would have been a great skill to have, yeah. So you so you picked up
0: guitar when you were 15. I mean, yes. well, how'd you go from learning like three or four chords to being as good as you are now, right? Just only because when when I was younger, everybody played guitar. Yeah, when yeah. Like when you're Korean, you go to a church, yeah, everybody yeah. fucking played yeah, guitar, yeah. you know? But from playing like the few Christian chords to learning how to understand and... I was play.
1: actually uh, uh how, how you say, a worship leader back of, then. Of course yeah. you were. <laughs> yeah. And that was the other angle, you know? Like when you're a worship leader, you're trying like... I just had a conversation with some friends. I just came back from Seattle and like oh. Washington area. And I met a group of people, like uh, there were a couple of church people too. And the stories everyone was sharing is so international. Everybody had the same exact story about learning an instrument, playing the guitar to pick up girls at church, or, like, the church cam, like, you purposely sit next to the girl you like. So, like, Dude, when you stand up, you can hold their hands. I've, I've
0: always said this 100%. And every time <laughs> I have some fucking artist come on this podcast and I ask them, okay, hey, so why did you pick up dancing or blah, they go, okay, when I first saw him, I'm like, shut the fuck up. What was the real reason? And it's be always to pick up a fucking girl. That's what honest. it is. That's yeah. what it always is. That's yeah. why I picked up guitar. That's why yeah. I started singing, was only because I wanted women to talk to me. And That's it.
1: <laughs> and then the art itself kind of like brings you into the Of course. The, yeah, the, then you, then the, the show. The it loses grind. its novelty and then yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you, you know yeah. you get really into it but my first instrument was actually piano like at oh. eight years old and you know asian parents they're like oh here's a piano mm-hmm. here's a classical piano teacher just go at it hated it like i did it for two three years and at some point i was so bored by it that i just quit and it took me three years to like re-pick up a different instrument mm. yeah
0: that's crazy so so you go from picking up a guitar mm-hmm. and obviously there's like this okay so oh, for that, people who don't know, you're you're not from the states. I'm not from the states. <laughs> you're from uh you you were born and raised in Panama,
1: Central America. Yes,
0: that's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, because I I only I actually know only maybe a, a couple of people who are Asian who grew up in uh, Central America, mm. uh, specifically like Brazil. Mm. Uh, there's like a huge Korean community out there, which I have no fucking idea why. And Japanese. Yeah, yeah. which I, I don't understand whether the wh- how that immigration happened there.
1: I'm not sure about Brazil, mm-hmm. but for Panama, it was uh, twofold. The first one was the, how do you call that? The train? Like the, uh, they were building trains so they had to get cheap labor from China. Oh, okay. And the second one was the canal. I don't know if you've heard of the Panama Canal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where uh, Panama kind of connects North America with South America. And mm-hmm. we're right in between. We have this canal that like levels up the waters from both oceans Mm -hmm. and they needed cheap labor as well so that's how we had an influx of chinese people
0: oh okay,
1: okay so i I don't know the exact percentage of people but there's probably one out of 25 people is chinese probably in panama really yeah what the fuck it's that big of a community my uh yeah it's because panama is small too panama only has like Four or five million people, mm-hmm. and the population of Chinese people is probably like 200,000, 300,000. So it's like about uh, either seven to ten percent of uh, the population is Chinese. Wow, it's that small. Yeah, I might be butchering up the numbers, but <laughs> <So> my <laughs> was like, hey, fuck you. There's a lot more than that. <laughs> but my high, like my high school classroom, we were we only had like ten Asian, like no, sorry, ten non-Asian people. Like, I graduated with a full batch of Chinese people. If you see my graduation photos, yeah.
0: What in the fuck? My perception of like Panama is way different from how you're describing it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, Panama is called the melting pot of uh, Latin America. And we had like Colombian people, uh, we have Venezuelan people, we had everything, right? But Chinese people is very predominant out there.
0: What in the fucking world? Yeah. So, okay. So, so what was it like growing up for you there then? So it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So, so you saw a lot of people who look like you out there. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And the the funny thing is that out here, when I speak Spanish mm-hmm. to like everyone, like especially Mexican ladies or whatever, mm-hmm. they are very surprised by it, right? But growing or or even knowing, because I can speak Chinese too, right? Everybody's yeah. like very surprised at the fact that I'm uh, I can speak multiple languages. But for me, I was kind of put in the situation where I grew up like at home, I had to speak Chinese. Um, the country forced me to speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then my high school or my school, because I went to the same school throughout my whole um, youth, uh, it was a British school. So they taught all the classes in English. So everything was kind of forced upon me. So I didn't actively learn a language. So it's not as impressive as people uh, make it to be. Mm. Does that make sense? Cause yeah, it's
0: just w- like a everyday life. Everybody's everyday like, life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So when you tell someone, hey, like, uh, well, you don't tell someone. When people find out Find out that you can speak multiple languages. They're wow, so imp- impressive! Like you had mm-hmm. to go like daily practice all these languages. I mean,
0: specifically in this country, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we're we're very singular here. Yeah, yeah, most most people in this country only speak one language, which yeah. is American English, yeah. right? Everything else, like I mean, we're taught secondary languages or tertiary languages in high school in high or school, whatever, yeah, yeah. but nobody really keeps it. We only learn the basics.
1: Our second language in my high school was Spanish, actually. So the country forced me to speak Spanish, but my uh, class as a second language was Spanish, which was, it's super um, interesting and weird at the same time. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's just just I was forced upon the three languages like uh, so since crazy. I was young. Yeah. So that's it's cr- not an impressive thing. I'm very blessed, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that I was put into a situation where. I had to know all three languages to live in the like my um, upbringing. Mm-hmm. So now it's an advantage to my career or just like my daily life. But it's not something that I had to grind for. Basically. I mean,
0: that shit works for you really well here, though. Specifically yeah, yeah, Los Angeles, yeah, right? Yeah. Like learning how to speak Spanish here is, is so useful. And
1: I, I just I'm inclined toward learning languages, too. Like maybe it's because of that. Like I really mm-hmm. like Japanese, Portuguese, even Korean. Like mm-hmm. I just uh, on my free time, I like to just... Go over words and learn vocabulary from different languages
0: is is the spanish in panama different from from here
1: uh so here the most uh spoken spanish is the mexican one mm-hmm. which is like they have a specific like uh a and you know like that yeah. type of vibe mm-hmm. but spanish in panama is very plain mm-hmm. so if you don't really go to like the countryside or like the um, uh, outskirts of panama the language is actually very, very plain. Like it's the most uh, no accent type of Spanish that you can find. It's just everyone can understand it basically. There's no strong accents or anything about it.
0: Hello, my friends. This podcast is brought to you by IP Vanish. For those of you who don't know, IP Vanish is a VPN or virtual private network that helps you safely browse the internet. Simply put, if you are on your computer doing just about anything and you don't have a VPN by IP Vanish, are you nuts? Being online is fun, but your data is everywhere and having it encrypted is a must. I'm not just saying that you have to get IP Vanish because your online security is super important for browsing and keeping your personal data and information in. Encrypted. I'm saying it because you have to do it. Here's everything you get with IP Vanish anonymous IP address. This means your personal IP address can't be tracked by anyone on the web. Circumvent any online censorship. Get protection when using public Wi-Fi so basically nobody can stoop on your data or see what you're doing online. So go to ipvanish.com brainclaim your 65% savings. They have plans starting at just $349 a month or $2799 a year. This is the time to sign up with our discount and their current promotional offerings. You can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot and that's with more than six thousand reviews show these guys some love remember it's ipvanish.com slash brain to get the deal and start protecting yourself
1: online today you can make it like strong acts that you can find the specific words that let's say a different state or province uses Mm -hmm. to like uh accentuate different words but if you speak plain panamanian uh any spanish-speaking country will understand oh so you
0: guys are kind of like the prototype so yeah
1: (laughs) I guess the prototype would be Spain. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, uh, Panama kind of has a very plain Spanish for some reason.
0: The the, yeah. the Spanish, like I, I met somebody from Spain, but their Spanish they have like a lisp or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they go, for example, hola como estas. Yeah, like, that's the the Spain yeah. Spanish, but Panamanian would be like hola como estás. Yeah, like it's very. Uh, I don't even know how to say it, like very. It kind of reminds direct. me of
0: like, uh, I guess like a Taiwanese Mandarin right so like yeah, may- yeah maybe it, it's yeah. very like when i hear taiwanese mandarin i could hear different words it's very clean yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean versus when you hear the, the you know the one from the mainland it's yeah, like, yeah yeah it's, it's very... and
1: even within mainland china every province have their own intricacies and in how they speak their own mandarin yeah yeah like yeah, yeah. the north from the south and like yeah every place has like their different dialects and way to. oh yeah 100 yeah
0: so for you so when when did you move here, and then what made you move here in the first place? Just because, you know, I, I mean, for a lot of people out there, I think when people come from a small town, usually people stay in their small towns. Yes, like it's it's yeah. a very, scary, I mean, first of all, I mean, you, you just said that the population of Panama was what? Four, four, five million four or five million people. And you go from four or five million to a whole fucking like country Yeah, area. yeah. California itself uh, is probably well, bigger the, than Panama. Well, four or five million, I think LA is bigger than that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the city of LA
0: is bigger than that. It's uh. crazy.
1: Four or five million is when I left. So yeah. in eight years, there probably have been like more people, like yeah, maybe yeah. six million now. Yeah. Uh, what made me move out here was I've always wanted to study abroad, right? Even when I was in uh, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, like my dream has always been to move out of Panama and explore the world. Yeah. Because I'm an internet baby, right? Like mm-hmm. I just grew up with a computer, stuck at home, playing my guitar, playing video games, like that was me. I was not uh, a very social person person per se like i would go out and stuff but i spend most of my time at home in the computer and looking at all interactions worldwide made me really want to see the world outside right and i explored many options right like uh when i was in 11th grade like second to last year before graduating i went to london to see some schools um my dad recommended some schools in china in taiwan i really I personally wanted to go to Japan to study, oh, yeah, but my okay. mom was like, "No, no, no, too many earthquakes and natural disasters. you're not going there. Yeah. I'm like fine, and,
0: which was a good look because there was a huge <laughs> in between that time, there was a huge fucking
1: tsunami <laughs> yeah. earthquake, so, your, uh, so mother, I,
0: your mom was right, just she literally. was right <laughs>
1: um, but I still love Japan. I yeah. really want to go to Japan someday, and I landed on l a so before I came to LA, I, I worked at KPMG. I'm not sure if you mm-hmm. know. So between my graduating year and my year in LA, I had like a gap year, right? You know how yeah. everybody takes like a gap year between high school and university, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I took a gap year. And for me, my gap year was first, I did an accounting job. I hated it. I did it for, of three-, course. <laughs> I did it for three months. Why the fuck would you go into do accounting, man? <laughs> I, I was put into it because... Uh, how my high school worked is that the last three years, they give you a emphasis, right? Like, they give you a very specialized curriculum. You can choose between being, like, the science guys, like, biology, physics, chemistry. Mm. You can choose the business route, which is the one I took, which is accounting, economics, and, like, business classes. And there's a third route, the art one. Like, you learn art, you learn music, mm. and stuff like that. And Asian parents, I went Told through to go the, to the business route. Yeah. route and... Once you graduate, like the top few students get a chance to intern at the top accounting firms in Panama or Mm -hmm. worldwide. There's like four big accounting firms like KPMG, uh, Ernest & Young, Deloitte and stuff like that. Right. And I got the chance to intern at KPMG. I got offered a job, did it for a couple months, hated it. Like that's what made me realize I'm not suited for the corporate life. Right. Yeah. So. Right after that, I joined a modeling agency. It's it's weird. My it's very weird. Hold on, I know I, the fuck.
0: I was like, uh, <laughs> the fuck do you mean? You joined a fucking modeling agency? How fucking random. It's very random. Wait, it's what, very what random. made you go into a model? Okay, this doesn't. Um, your, your timeline is all fucked up. Hold on, graduation. So, Eighteen, okay. right? I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you graduated. <laughs> you go, okay. I'm gonna be a fucking accountant, which clearly wasn't gonna work out for yeah. you, <laughs> like you uh, know. And then you go, okay, you know what? Fuck this. I'm a model.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you just go from that to that. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> I think, I think I have I had a couple of friends that were doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's different type of models. There's the uh, I don't know how you call it, the runway ones. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. in Spanish, it's called pasarela. Mm-hmm. And there's the the models that go to like conventions, right? And they give out flyers. They're like standing at uh, different boots and stuff like that. And I'm like, why not? Like, let's get a a, a part time job like doing modeling gigs, right? Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I never landed a modeling gig, but I did the photo shoot and everything to get like the portfolio. <laughs> okay. But through the modeling agency, um, uh, by the way, the modeling agency was Wilhelmina. I don't know if you have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Wilhelmina, mm-hmm. but the Panama franchise, the head of the modeling agency uh, wanted to make a band, like a boy band, like um, uh, 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 if you can Google it, by the way, like we were uh kind of Known throughout the lands of Panama. You're in
0: a fucking boy band? What
1: the fuck is going on right now, dude? <laughs> and it was organized by the modeling agency head, right? And he just picked, <laughs> Okay, hold on. He put... Put... <laughs>
0: so you went to go you went to go be a fucking model, right? Yeah. You go, you take the pictures, they go, listen, this is not gonna work out. But <laughs> it was a very interesting year. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get more surprised in the They're bit. They're like, hold on a second. You're not you're not a model, dude. But we had this little boy band that I want you to be a part of. Yeah. Did they know that you could play the guitar?
1: Yes, they did. They did. How the fucking yeah. random? Yeah. And they they really went through their portfolio of models and picked up people that knew instruments, right? They found a drummer somehow. They found a couple singers. So I was a back uh backup vo- uh how do you call it? background vocals? Like, yeah. Like second vocals or whatever. Yeah. But I was a lead guitarist, right? So mm-hmm. they wanted everyone to resem- uh, resemble the Beatles. So. The head of the modeling agency was a fan of the 50s, 60s, and 70s music, right? So he wanted a cover boy band that did Beatles, Elvis Presley, like, all this, like, retro music. So the band was called Rets, like, based on retro music, right? So he picked a bunch of models that played instruments. He put it together. And all of our shows were for rich white people in Panama. Yeah. So they paid really well. They treated us really well. We had, like... Uh, makeup artists and hairstylists and we had like writers and everything. So that was my first taste of what uh, a successful music career could look like, right? Yeah. And that's when I fell in love with the attention and stuff like that. Uh, I was in the band for probably six, seven months and I thought there was a ceiling, you know, like Panama is such a small country. Like, I don't want to be doing this boy band thing forever. Like um, I really love music. I want to take it somewhere else. And that's when I... Um, tried to look into schools, music schools, right? And the easiest music school to get into was one here in LA. And that's the one I applied for. I got accepted and I decided to move my whole life to LA like after getting accepted.
0: What the fuck? Yeah. That's crazy. So six to seven months playing of this, boy, this, this, band bo- thing, this yeah. boy band.
1: yeah, are you- wearing magazine covers and everything. Like if you Google it real quick, like you can oh, find I it.
0: I got to see fucking <laughs> photos. I got to see performances. And this is all, and you guys are all singing in Spanish, by the
1: way. No, in English. So we would sing like Twist and Shout and like all those like uh, old school songs. Uh, I want to hold your hand and stuff like Beatles song. And we wear suits in every single performance. Oh, they
0: really wanted you to be like the Beatles. Yes, That's crazy. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And... Like they wanted a specific look. It's the it's a head of a modeling agency. This was his this was probably his childhood dream, right? A hundred percent this was his childhood dream and he forced it upon you. Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> and we were we were all like, It's paying well. Mm-hmm. Like there's an audience and we're still doing music, you know? And that yeah. was our modeling gig slash uh cover boy band thing, right? Nowadays they even do choreography and stuff, mm-hmm. but me as the first generation, we didn't do like yeah, yeah, choreography yeah. or anything like we mm-hmm. were just playing straight up covers like maybe like uh changing it up a little bit and yeah if you google them nowadays they dance and everything i'm Wait, like so, shit oh, the,
0: so the boy band you left
1: i left first i was I, I was probably the first one to leave the boy band
0: okay yeah and then uh, did they is it just so do they have the same band but they just flip people everybody
1: start out? leaving because the first generation of rett rett is the band's name with a z at the end uh, the first generation we were all more serious musicians right not that the current ones are not serious musicians right but we wanted different things like we played rock we played fusion music we played latin uh salsa and whatever so everybody wanted to explore um different music worlds right mm-hmm. and same with me i didn't want to be stuck doing cover boy band songs for the rest of my life right so i realized at first i left and slowly everybody also left and they had to replace the members one by one, right? And what was their original method? They went through the models list and like they looked Mm. at it, and they got to a point where I think they realized that the band thing didn't work, like the music band thing didn't work. So I think the I haven't checked them in a while, but the most current lineup is all really handsome-looking like young guys. That is it like the the the,
0: the K-pop model type of thing, right? Without
1: the full-on like yeah dancing yeah, yeah. and stuff and the music is still very chill compared to like all the edm stuff. okay
0: okay okay yeah
1: so it's not like the k-pop model but it's still like the boy band model mm. where they have like uh a bunch of pretty handsome boys like doing choreography while singing songs that girls love yeah, yeah. so
0: how did how did it feel for you when you started doing music because obviously you went the accounting route the modeling route then the music route Number one, did it feel right? And number two, like did you enjoy all the attention? Like what was the what was the feelings?
1: I've I've never regretted anything I've done yeah. in my career. Except like in LA, a couple of things. But uh back then, I think everything led me to here, right? Yeah. So I'm very grateful for every single experience. And I'm kind of omitting, like, uh, now that you mentioned the K pop thing, I also did K pop competitions in Panama.
0: Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a... Okay. What the fuck? Okay, you gotta explain to people what the fuck a K pop competition is. Yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. First of all, like this is what I talk about when I say how weird it is and how how influential Korean pop music is. Yes. Right. Because when I was when I was younger in uh, high school and stuff. Right i like korean pop music but i never share that with people afraid i get my ass beat mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like you you share with people that you like k-pop music with a bunch of dudes that look yeah. like women oh you,
1: you, you even like when i was young like you wouldn't share this yeah you wouldn't you right? wouldn't share it right but i had a couple of like close friends who were like uh-huh. oh like here are the wonder girls like and they're like what are the wonder girls but yeah. it's like your best friends right oh check this This is the wonder girls and then slowly you turn them into like oh well like i like this member too yeah, i like that member i mean too. you could
0: only imagine right because you and i were like seven years apart mm-hmm. right so from that seven being seven years apart, but watching men wear makeup mm. it's not something you would get your fucking ass. Yeah, especially yeah. where I grew up, right? Yeah, like yeah. you wear makeup, people would call you like a faggot, a loser. You know, this, these are these are the terms they use back in the day. Not that yeah, I use, yeah. they call you like you know, gay, whatever, and they beat your ass, they make fun of you, they do everything you can. So now it's like when I when I see the identity of what a male can be wearing Mm -hmm. makeup and doing all this other stuff
1: very androgynous yeah
0: it's very androgynous now and people are just kind of like yeah that's that's cool so when i see that reach over to like you know south america right which from what i've heard from people it's very like machismo Mm. i can only imagine yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) you probably have to hide that you know This podcast is brought to you by Raycon, my friends. If you know me, you know that I only listen to my audio, such as my podcast, with Raycon earbuds. Whether you are jogging, whether you are cooking, whether you just need a lightweight wireless earbud to do your daily tasks, Raycon has the answer for you. Whenever I'm cooking in the kitchen for hours, I don't need nothing else besides my knife skills and my Raycons to get me through standing on my feet all day, cooking in the kitchen. On top of that, when I kickbox, when I'm hitting the bag, I definitely always use my Raycon earbuds. Yes, my friends, we don't play here at Raycon. They're comfortable. They're super lightweight and they're not bulky. So you can walk around and do your thing all super light and ethereal. As as Mike Tyson said, I like to be super ethereal with my earbuds. Mike Tyson here talking about the Raycon earbuds. I've never punched somebody in the mouth so hard and still had earbuds stick in my ear like these Raycon earbuds. It's amazing. It's ethereal. I love it. So listen up. Mike is telling you guys right now that Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. And here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com brain. There, you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. And it's such a good deal. You want to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at
1: buyraycon.com brain. That's buyraycon.com slash brain. But here's the thing. Um, it just depends on what crowds you're hanging mm. out with. Because, of course, the machismo thing is, like, very predominant, especially mm-hmm. in Latin American countries. But young people, they just follow trends. And if you just hang out with the people that are following the same trend, then you'll never face uh But well, you just got to find the right group. You just have to find the right group, right? Okay. But I was talking about how the boy band gave me my first taste of attention. Mm-hmm. But the real um, taste of stardom was through K-pop competitions, actually. So uh, I did my first ever k-pop competition when i was 18 like during that gap year and i did a cover of i don't know if you like big bang right like the oh the, the yeah, boy yeah. band and i used their most popular song back then it was like haru haru like day okay, by yeah. day and i was super nervous i'm like what the heck am i doing like i'm gonna sing a korean song in front of a bunch of uh people i don't know right uh but i wore my little suit like you know a little mm-hmm. suit and back then the v-neck shirts were popular And I had my Justin Bieber emo cut going on too, right? So that was popular within the K-pop world. And the competition was dance covers and a couple of singing people. I was the only person to play it with a guitar and sing like a cover. And I did it Uh, slowly throughout the progression of the cover. People realized what song it was and they got louder and louder. And they just like Mm -hmm. start cheering the song and just like singing along. 800 K-pop fans in a Latin American country, right? 500 to 800. I forgot the actual number. And once I was done, I was like, wow, like people can interact with someone on the stage at this level, even though it's just a random uh, Korean song, right? I really want more of this. I really wanted the tension of people cheering and just like singing along to whatever I'm doing on stage. And luckily enough, I won the K pop competition. Right after, I got like a flock of like people coming, mostly girls. They wanted to like take a picture and like they were just like chasing me around. I'm like, this feels nice, mm-hmm. and then my best friends—they were like, "Oh yeah, no more pictures, blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like at 18 years old, like you love the tension. Your friends are like helping you and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I walk back to the car, and there were still people chasing. I'm like, "Wow, this is amazing. Let's do this some other day, right?" But I just—I'm really loving this attention. I go back home. I wake up the next day. Panamanian K-pop fans made me a fan club. Like, I woke up and there was a Facebook Ruben One fan club. I'm like, wow, what the heck is this? How random. It yeah. was super random, but it was enough to, like, spark that... Um,
0: that drive. Uh, like that you... drive
1: and that hunger and thirst. I think yeah. it's thirst. And it fed into my narcissism and my pride and everything that an artist needs. And that was enough to motivate me to continue pursuing music for the rest of my life. And that's
0: very important, too. Yeah. right? Cause I, and I always talk to people about this. Is like... And you kind of hit the nail on the head. Yeah when people ask what's what's important to become like a performing artist, right? There is a lot of like narcissism and ego. Yeah. Like you, you have to actually have this. Yeah. And that was like one of the hardest things for me, right? It's because I didn't have much of that. Yeah, and yeah. so when, when people ask you, there's, there's a big difference when I see myself and other artists, right? And they I look at artists and, the reason why they're so successful is because they do enjoy the spotlight. Yeah. And I'm not saying this in a negative way. Like you have to enjoy the intention. You have to, because yeah. that is going to be a huge part of your life. I think the hardest struggle for me was like, I never liked the tension. I just did what I did mm-hmm. and it, it led to something else, yeah, right? Yeah. And I, for some reason in my ignorance, I always thought that I could just do what I wanted to do and have nobody notice it. Yeah. But that doesn't work that way. Like you can't make a living off that. Yeah. Here's how stupid I was. I was like, I'm going to be... Like one of the biggest stand up comics, but I want to still live in my hometown of Sacramento. Mm. How the fuck is that going to work out? Yeah. It doesn't work that way.
1: How are you going to sell shows with 10 people in then- it? Well, exactly. <laughs> it's
0: not going to work out that way. Yeah. So I've always had this weird thing where it's just like, okay. I'm becoming progressively more and more known doing mm-hmm. this stuff, but I didn't want people to know me, which mm. didn't make any fucking yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. you know? So, and the people that are the most successful on the space are people who enjoy and thrive off of other people's energy and attention. Mm-hmm. Um, like for, i.e., for an example, like there's the Logan Pauls and the Jake Pauls. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they do really well on the space, Right. It's not because of sheer talent. It's not because they offer anything very unique. Mm-hmm. It's because they know and they thrive off of people's attention. And this is what their model is based off of, right? Yeah. And if you want to be a great artist, you know, I'm not not great artist. If you want to be an artist like in entertainment, there there has to be a certain level of wanting to be in the spotlight. Yeah, yeah. If not, it's not going to work out yeah. for
1: you. You know, because it's hard to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And I always say the people that can do art without craving the attention are the true artists like per se, because they can do it just for the sake of art. For sure. Like pushing the limits of the of the genre or like whatever category they're doing, right? And I ha- I crave a little bit the pushing the boundaries of like the instrument or like the art, but I feel like my thirst is more towards um, connecting with people, right? Having a connection. Um, yeah,
0: that's the part of entertainment. Yeah, you know that's I mean? the... Like yeah, you're, you're an entertainer Yeah, too. I'm an
1: entertainer more than the boundary pusher artist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And you have to realize what type you are, right? You cannot be in between because once you're in between, you're gonna, you love too much your art. You get too hurt when people don't like it. Mm -hmm. Or at the same time, you make art that you don't like, but people love it and you hate yourself for making art you don't love, but people love.
0: 100%.
1: And so it's really hard to be in between. Like, "Ah, I want to be entertainer, but also I want to push the limits. It's hard to be there. Choose your lane. And know what path you want to take as yeah. an artist or it's, it's a performer. The, it's the yeah. best
0: way because there's there's no other way, right? Yeah. There's you you have to figure out what you're going to be. Yeah, yeah. There's I know there's somebody I know right now, like this dude creates stuff only because he knows that it's gonna get him money mm-hmm. and that's where he lives. Yeah, yeah. But when we have side conversations about what he does, he fucking hates it every mm. day. He hates it. He goes, I've spent most of my life trying to make money, do all this other stuff, and now all this is all I know. Yeah. And then he looks at what I have, where I'm not as rich as he is. But he goes, I wish I would have done what you did. Like, mm-hmm. you have long-lasting friendships, connections. You're happy with everything that you put out. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you got to pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Like, if you want to make shitty fucking content and make yeah. money, that's okay. Like, just, but you don't complain about it. Like, you chose it.
1: And there, there is a small percentage of people that can do what they love and also make the money part. Yeah. But that's rare. Like, it's very I rare. I do think it's yeah. very rare. Yeah, it's, it's very it's rare. It's super fucking rare. Yeah, you know yeah. what I
0: mean? And it's, it's it's a lot harder. I think mm-hmm. it depends on what what you can sleep with, right? Yeah. Like I've, I chose to do podcasts. I did food or whatever. This is not in the realm of like making the most money possible. It's yeah. just something that I very, very much enjoy. Do the things you enjoy, yes. and that's what keeps me going. There's yeah. the only reason I could do this for fucking twelve years is yeah, because sure. I did what I enjoyed. You know, I I don't have any regrets. Like I have, like okay, you could have done this and you could have been a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Well, who the fuck cares though? I wouldn't have been happy. Yeah. The, if happiness is your end goal, you just got to figure out what that fucking lane is.
1: Do you have aspirations to be bigger though?
0: No, this is this is as. To be honest, you like the platform growing is is just the platform growing. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a conversation with a buddy of mine, and this dude was trying so hard to reach a million subscribers on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he's been on YouTube for a very fucking long time. Mm-hmm. And when he hit YouTube, like this dude started crying. He hit that million. He started crying. Right? He was like, "Oh my god, I finally hit a million! It felt like he achieved his life goal."
1: I think <laughs> I know who.
0: It is. <laughs> right? but then when he asked me, he goes, "Hey, like, do you, it's like do you remember when you hit a million? I go, "No, yeah. I don't remember that." I once once my I shit you fucking not once I hit three hundred thousand, it didn't fucking matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I can do this, and that's all that fucking mattered. So his perspective of what you know these these life goals and these tickers like I've already achieved more than I thought I could. Mm -hmm. People have to understand like I grew up with absolutely nothing, not nothing. I had a good family, I had all this stuff, but in terms of like monetary wealth and everything else, and like I told you, being famous was never uh, an objective of mine. Mm -hmm. It was just to create stuff that I really fucking enjoyed. My being the best stand up comic wasn't because I wanted people to watch me do what I do, it's because I wanted to make people laugh. The objective was very different, so whether I became so everything that I have now is is a bonus. so you don't really hear me complain about my life ever. Mm-hmm. I never complain about my life. Mm-hmm. You know why it's because I had an objective my my life goal was to be married, have kids, and have a white picket fence house, and that was the height of my goals. Well, I've surpassed that times a million. Mm-hmm. So everything else is just a bonus, a bonus,
1: a plus. Yeah, yeah
0: everything yeah. is a bonus and a plus right now. Mm-hmm. Even having you on this platform right now, I'm not doing. I'm doing it just because I want. I saw your videos and I'm like, oh, I want people to know who he is. So, thank you. Like, so the objective of my life is very different, right? And because of that, when people ask, oh, what's your next biggest step? And my manager gets frustrated too. He goes, what's your next biggest move? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the next biggest move is. Like, I didn't expect to go have a Netflix show, sell this food show. I didn't expect any of this stuff. Yeah. I just did what I did and it opened doors for me. So, I, like, I don't suggest people to live this lifestyle because <laughs> it's actually very chaotic. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's, it's kind of stressful because because I don't have set goals like I used to when I was younger mm-hmm. and I'm just living and I'm surviving, like, it's 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 very stressful <laughs> you know like if you don't have a specific goal and you're not working towards things i don't suggest people who start out in the space to do that mm. i just i've developed enough uh projects and i've developed uh, and i put enough time into it where i can do that now mm-hmm. so if, if you ask me like what's my next big goals i don't really fucking know
1: <laughs> and it's, it's okay yeah i think it's more important that you're in a happy place yeah. than searching for the next big thing yeah and this is what I tell a lot of people, even myself, I need to wake myself up every time, is uh, the fact that people don't enjoy when they reach certain milestones, right? Mm-hmm. They reach one milestone and they're right away they're looking for the next thing to do. Yeah. And they don't actually rejoice in the current situation they're blessed with, right? Like, oh, I achieved this. Now, let me enjoy it. Let's go out with some people and enjoy it together. Celebrate the achievement and actually live your life a little bit and then look for the next thing like if you're always searching for that next thing you're going to burn yourself out really really fast Dude,
0: 100% cuz like you people even ask like yo where's your million dollar where's your million subscriber plaque yeah, I, yeah. I think i threw it away when i moved like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where it's at i i completely lost it yeah, yeah. i like the silver one too i lost that too like yeah, yeah. these these physical or even like these number these tickers they don't give a value to my yeah. life they don't show value at all yeah, yeah the proof is in the pudding it's already yeah. there like i don't need the fucking plaque and if i yeah. want that plaque i'll
1: go, go trophy shopping to make yeah. it for me again like and even uh, i'm gonna get a little businessy yeah like there's so many people with millions of followers and subscribers that are living dirt poor you know yeah like the number one determine your lifestyle the number is literally just a number yeah like knowing how to uh, monetize uh, whatever following you have is 10 times more important than getting a huge number and just like show it off right the flex culture in la specifically is so predominant that is kind of toxic at the same time like find your niche enjoy that community and grow together with that community is 10 times more important than yeah I'm trying to push for that 1 million 1 million mark what's the difference between 999 point nine (laughs) nine nine versus one million there's no difference it's just a number that shows up on the screen
0: yeah that's that's the hard part too for a lot of young creators they they don't understand the concept of like it's not about the million that you have in the fall it's about the connection that you have with the few that follow you yeah yeah. because there's a lot of people out there that'll die for you right but then if you're still reaching out to this community that number one they wouldn't care about any new projects that come out they don't Mm -hmm. share your stuff they don't buy your merch Mm -hmm. like this these people are the ones that matter the most. And mm-hmm. when you focused on the million instead of the hardcore thousands, it, d- it doesn't really fucking yeah, matter, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and, and that's what a lot of people get caught up in. And then for you too, you, you're you you're going from a very small city to one of the most like craziest cities in the United States, right? There's a few metropolitan cities that are considered quite hectic. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how was that adjustment for you moving to Los Angeles from this small town because Los Angeles, even for me, I came from Sacramento, which is a smaller town. Yeah. Los Angeles was a very, very difficult experience for me to kind of acclimate to. Yeah. yeah. You
1: know? I mean, till this day, LA is still a love and hate relationship. Yeah. Um, the traffic. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, outside of those things, just like finding real connections is really hard. Yeah. Luckily enough, after eight years, I do have a very close circle of tight-knit friends. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really... Uh, I really like to put importance on who I call a friend. Because especially in LA, at the beginning, everybody was a friend, right? Because that's how it happens in small towns. You have a mini talk, and then he's your friend, and you guys are friends for 10 years, and it's all cool. go to the same school together,
0: everything, yeah.
1: In LA, having a a good chat for 30 minutes, people will start calling you a friend, but it's really hard to determine if that's a true friendship or not. It takes a couple years to really know what's this relationship about, right? And not only that, um, compared to Panama, LA is already a very fast paced place, even though compared to New York, it's still very slow. So getting used to everybody grinding every time, like every time you're asking somebody the next big thing, uh, everybody's looking for that next big job or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. They're trying to tell everyone what they're doing and they're trying to network and stuff like that. It happens in Panama, right? But not at such an aggressive rate. Mm -hmm. Here, as soon as I landed, everybody's trying to know. Uh, what do you do, how can I help you? How can you help me? And how can we do something together to Where do you live? further a career? Occur- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that took me a little time, but I kind of expected it already, right? I knew that I was gonna have to do the network culture and stuff like that. And luckily for me, uh, growing up, I did have a lot of chances to travel, right? I've been to China many times, I've been to the States uh, multiple times as well. Before actually moving my whole life to LA, I've been to LA probably like two, three times because LA is actually the place where you have to transit to go to China. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I would stay in LA for two, three days. So I I, I knew what the city looked like. I just didn't know what the culture of the city was like, right? Mm-hmm. So that probably took me a year, two years to get used to. And we can go back to the regrets thing, right? Because I was from a small town, my first two years in LA actually didn't like pursue like my passion as... Um, as as much as possible right i was enjoying the party lifestyle i was like oh like la there's a party every single day every there's something to do every single night so i was um entangled with that uh lifestyle i guess so my first two years were kind of a blur like i was just trying to go to as many parties as i could meet as many people as i could and just live the life that palma didn't offer but of course like palma also had that thing i just didn't like um, It's different. It's like, different. You it's have different. a new identity here, yeah, new but, life. Yeah. But then after those two years, it was out of my system. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started realizing the people that were actually making it in the industry, right? Like what type of grind they, they had to do or like uh, what's the level of artistry I need to aim for. And that's when I went back to the like my bedroom and just start shedding, like mm-hmm. shedding the instrument, like shedding the art and just trying to improve myself every single day. It took me two years to eliminate all those uh a uh, party lust i guess i can call it like the I lifestyle lust. i mean there's yeah.
0: no regrets in that too because you don't you don't know what you miss yeah. out on until you do it exactly so like, and
1: it took me that to realize that uh i needed to hustle and grind right yeah and i i guess it's not a regret but more like i could have used that time more wisely but la is la like i love it and i hate it i guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: i mean it's a it's it's weird, right? Because like I, you know, I've I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Of when people come to this city, mm-hmm. there's you know, I, I read these tweets or like comments or or even from people who are outside from the city because I lived here what eleven years, twelve mm-hmm. years now or whatever. Um, people go, oh, you know, everybody here, they're they're only here to network and blah mm. blah, blah blah. It's like, well, so are you. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, so what did you expect? You know, people are going to give and take the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's about understanding what the relationship's about. And then, you know, coming from a very small town, you know, obviously my town was probably similar to yours, but just in different countries, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, when you know the same people growing up. I had the same friends since I was in elementary school and high school. Same. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. you keep people for life. Yeah. Over here, it's a little different. One of the biggest things that I hated was like when people would call me their brother or their friend. And I'm like, I don't fucking know you like mm-hmm. that. Don't call me your brother or your friend. Yeah. But it's so easy here. Right? They go, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, he's the homie. I'm not your fucker. I don't know you like that, bro. (laughs) Like, I met you fucking once. (laughs) You know? And they throw these words out a lot. And a lot of the times, and we call this like fucking on the first date. A lot of people hear fuck on their first date. Uh. And they say it so fucking easy. And people get disappointed when people that they just met stab them in the back. It's like, Mm. well, you just met them. You didn't fucking know them. It's actually your fault because you started calling them brother, friend, and best friend. The people who do it the most in this city girls yeah they love that shit oh. bestie <laughs> yeah. yo oh my god i fuck with this bitch so hard like she's so <laughs> she's just like and then two weeks later she's fucking her uh her her fucking boyfriend yeah, and they're yeah, like yeah. how the fuck did that happen is because you don't fucking know them you yeah. fucked on the first date mm-hmm. you don't know these people yet mm-hmm. and the the hardest part for people to do is because the city is so exciting and things move so fast yes is learning how to separate Friends, homies, and acquaintances, mm-hmm. right? It's okay to say that that person is an acquaintance. It doesn't mean that you dislike them or hate them. It just means you don't fucking know them. Yes, I have a lot of acquaintances. I have a good amount of homies, but I have a very small amount of friends. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be okay with that. People look at relationships and like these deep connections as if, as if you're supposed to have them in abundance. You don't. Look at Look at probably your parents, my parents, all these older people. They only hang out with a few people. And my (laughs) friends don't even have,
1: I don't think they even have friends. I think my mom has
0: one friend. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because she's a bitch. (laughs) She has like one fucking friend that's really about it. Yeah.
1: And it's especially hard for that generation. Like my parents' generation was such a hustle and grind environment. Mm -hmm. They could care less about like uh, having friends. Everything is just an acquaintance. So I can somehow survive this country basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you came here. And uh, so when you came here, you already knew how to speak English and everything. Yes, yes, yes. So my
1: parents didn't speak Spanish when they went to Panama. So that's like those are my true superheroes and idols I look up to, like my parents. Those are like, I don't even know how they did it, but they somehow managed to uh, build their own legacy in a foreign country. And yeah, I look up to that. I get scared and pressured because I might never amount to the same level of success as them. But it's at the same time very inspiring to look at them and how they built their lives.
0: Yeah. So yeah. how did you go from, you know, the parting life and then you decide to grind out to, you know, people knowing your music here? Aside from your boy band stuff, <laughs> like how did <laughs> the people get to know your music here? Oh, yeah. So
1: after I did the K-pop stuff, right, I, yeah. I kind of wanted to detach myself a little bit from that because I got into the I'm a musician. And yeah. Like I'm yeah, an artist, yeah. you know. Uh, so eventually the fan club died and stuff like that. I came to L.A., i was partying but i was also going to music college at the same time of course, right you're still so a student, yeah um my asian side didn't allow me to fully fully party so i was still trying to like excel at school but at night just like go have fun and mm-hmm. stuff but at the two years mark that's when i um uh, realized how talented all the people around me were i'm like oh i've had access to all this um uh, what's the right word um People in the same industry as you, the colleagues, like I had so much access to all these talented colleagues. Why don't I like uh, start um, absorbing all the knowledge I can, right? And that's when I started grinding the instrument. I got, okay, I got proficient. Like I could survive uh, the LA music scene because it gets a bit of a, it's like a dick measuring contest. Like every time you go jam with like session musicians and stuff like that. Uh, But I got to a certain level where I I could hang with people, right? Uh, I started going to jam sessions, meeting all the industry people. I started doing the session stuff as well. Like I would do sessions and touring with, um, like famous artists, like just, uh, behind the scenes, not me on the spotlight. And I thought that was going to be the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. I thought I had completely detached myself from the spotlight. And I was more of like the background people, like helping, uh, the artists become a bigger product. Uh, I did that for two more years. So two years of partying, two years of doing the session thing. And then I realized I actually want the spotlight. Like I I started uh, realizing that uh, my pride and my narcissism thing is bigger than I thought it was. So I started craving the spotlight again. Um, So I started doing my own stuff. I started releasing um, fun little Instagram videos where instead of just jamming my college practice exercises, I would put some more thought. Like, outset oh, the camera properly, the lights and stuff like that. Come up with a small... Uh, I think back then it was 15 seconds. 15 mm-hmm. seconds Instagram. 15 second Instagram composition, right? Mm-hmm. It was probably the stupidest thing ever on the guitar, but I put some effort into the video and people liked it. So my first well-produced video uh, received good attention. I got my first 1,000 followers. This was in like 2015 or 2014. Yeah, And to me, that was... That was it, right? I'm like, wow, I have a thousand followers that liked uh, this video. And that was enough for me to continue putting out like little compositions, right? Guitar compositions or singing or rapping and stuff. And I just did that consistently throughout the rest of my college life. And that slowly snowballed into uh, my current following. And through it, I've had multiple opportunities here and there. So I just take them when it comes like magazine, like interviews or uh Different, like this, like for this, right? You discovered me because I put out a video mm-hmm. on uh, the internet, and you liked it, and then you reached out, and then we just talked a bit, and then this happened, right? So I've had a lot of those small opportunities here and there that kind of bundle into my current career yeah. now. Yeah.
0: So for you, when you, when you, when you, so like you said, you were busy all throughout May. This is like stuff that you're doing uh, individually as shows, or are you part of a band ensemble? Like, what, what, what are you booked for?
1: Um. Uh, so recently. I decided that everything I do musically has to be kind of um, legacy. It has to be like a legacy move or something that Mm -hmm. is like me, right? But May, I don't know what happened to May, but I just started accepting all these like uh, partnerships like with different brands. And like I started doing a bunch of um, ads, I guess. That's how Mm -hmm. you call it, like brand deals, like Mm -hmm. for social media and my YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, I did a festival like pre-recorded festival, like a friend of mine, she's a singer and she really needed a, a guitarist. So I did that as well. We did like a two, three day rehearsal and then like a festival recording that will come out a couple months later. Mm-hmm. I did a couple performances. performances, uh, me, myself, it was API month, right? Asian yeah. Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of offers related to that. Like there was uh, like an award show, like an online award show, they needed a performance. So I did a performance for them. Um, Instagram had uh, Facebook or Instagram they were together they had like an event where they were celebrating uh, Asian American people so they asked me to talk and I was part of their
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, panel and like a lot of things just snowballed into May like I thought May was gonna be all about me writing songs for my upcoming album mm-hmm. but no May was all about brand deals and just like talking at events playing at events and doing like live show performances and stuff like that
0: yeah do you uh-huh. have um, do you have any artists that you really want to work with like in terms of like playing for, or play uh, with. playing
1: for. So I I decided that I don't want to play for anyone anymore because I already did like a couple of years of that already. Uh, but if I had the chance to, I would do it. I would happily do it for Haley Williams Paramore. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. So that that would be like one of the. That's random. Yeah, that's very random. <laughs> that's very right, <you're> fucking random. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, why, why Paramore? No, <laughs> because she's such an amazing performer. Yeah. I w- I would not mind at all, like, being behind the scenes, just playing guitar for such an uh, amazing performer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But to personally work with, I have a million people I would, like, gladly work with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, yeah. like, I... Like, I'll I work with you. Do you want to release a song?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy doing bullshit right now. <laughs> music is such a hard thing, right? Like, I've I've never really enjoyed music to where I wanted to, like, pursue it. It was always yeah. just a side hobby, right? Like, mm-hmm. guitar was something I tried to pick up because I wanted the same, but usually somebody else played for mm-hmm. me because I couldn't pick it up. It was so yeah. fucking hard. Like I just I couldn't do both. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. so damn difficult. Like even like playing the guitar, like I've because I've never really tried to learn the guitar per se, mm-hmm. I never understood the instrument, yeah. right? Because we were we were like praise leaders. Praise mm-hmm. leaders only knew their very specific chords. We knew what to play. We had the shitty ass fucking drummer, yeah. shitty ass, <laughs> <laughs> and we just played praise music, you know? Yeah. So in terms of like understanding the instrument, it was just something that was like far out of my reach. Yeah. But when I see people play the guitar, right? And I just, I'm like, I definitely don't know the instrument. <laughs> yeah. know? Like the instrument is a lot more complicated than it actually looks. Yeah, Because anybody can pick it up and play their few chords. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem. They could do the same like rhythm strum that everybody else does. But learning how to play it yeah. is something that blew my mind. Like, even like somebody like AJ Raphael, like when he like uh, sheet reads. Oh, he's amazing. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? How do you do that? Yeah, you know, He's, he's like, oh, well, today, like I just found this uh, sheet music that my you know uncle had before and i'm just gonna <laughs> play it right now i'm like this is the first time you ever saw it. you sheet read- <laughs>
1: like i don't get that shit. yeah i guess it's like improv like yeah. like when you do comedy and you improv mm-hmm. and you like riff with other comedians it's the same skill mm. like you have to practice it and eventually it becomes part of your skill set and it just comes naturally yeah, yeah. i mean
0: it's it's it, yeah like i when i see like I have a buddy named he's Ken Belcher right he mm-hmm. I think he went to USC for for music or some shit right and he used to Fight on
1: I'm also a USC grad
0: <laughs> that's awesome dude yeah. and see like for him like he uh he used to do I was like hey I want to do this cover yeah. and he was like oh cool let me listen to it he goes got it and then 20 minutes later he records it and he sends it out to me I'm like hey yeah, okay, yeah. what the fuck guy yeah. how the fuck did you do that shit you know for, <laughs> like I don't I don't understand it like I yeah. I don't understand how somebody can listen to something and be like oh is this chord is this progression and is this this is that yeah. you know it's so weird
1: uh hear me out so there's this example i really love to bring up mm-hmm. music is like a language right everybody always say music is a language mm-hmm. but the problem with um how people are taught music they don't teach music as a language what they do is that when you're eight years old they sit you down and they tell you you are a beginner you are level one so here learn your scales and like learn this is do re mi faso latido whatever right if you really wanted to teach music as a language right little kids that are three years old um they hear how adults are speaking and they're learning how to speak the language that's why at five years old uh, a five-year-old kid can speak english like fluently right if you really taught music that way like just putting them in a situation where they have to like survive if you put a three-year-old with a guitar right now and we're two professionals jamming he will have to survive and adapt He'll like learn what we're doing. Okay. And then he'll slowly start doing it without knowing the alphabet or like the words or whatever. Right. And eventually after a year of just looking at professionals doing their thing, he will pick it up too. That's how little kids learn language. Mm. You put a three-year-old here, hear us speak for a whole year. He'll start speaking English fluently as well. Right. Mm. So it's not about the 10,000 hours of practicing the instrument. It's more about how you actually uh, absorb all that information. Right. English, when you learn your first language, you didn't learn the letters first, right? You didn't learn grammar yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. You only heard what adults were saying and you were copying. Oh, like uh, my mom said hi and he said hi. So that must mean a greeting, right? If you teach a kid music that way, like I do a lick, he does a lick. Oh, that must mean communicating. And he'll learn that that's communicating instead of knowing, oh, that's a do-re-mi. That's a faso, whatever, whatever, right? Um, and that's what I'm saying. You have to teach kids music as a language not music as a curriculum right mm-hmm. and that's the biggest pitfall of uh, why i hated piano for example at eight years old right because they taught me everything as grammar or vocabulary here are your exercises here's your scales here's your whatever whatever that's the fastest way to turn somebody like off from yeah because i learned
0: piano i don't remember shit
1: yeah exactly but if you were taught as a language then you would still be jamming and like playing with people just by ear you know because you speak music as a language.
0: See, that's, like, one of my biggest regrets, too, because I, yeah. I, like, one of my favorite, uh, specifically when it came to, like, vocally, who I really like was yeah. Brian night, Yeah. But I liked him so much because I loved his live performances. Mm-hmm. That motherfucker is so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He speaks,
1: he speaks the music language fluently. Yeah. Like, he's like, proficient how at it. How the it?
0: fuck? Because I've seen him in live concert yeah. like, three times already, mm-hmm. right? I'm literally the youngest person there because mm-hmm. everybody's, like, 40, 50 years old. <laughs> And they're all black women. And it's just me. <laughs> it's just me there. You know, just fucking. No, I know more music than any of these bitches. I'm like, get yeah. the fuck out my way, bitches. You know? And so, but when I see him, when he plays his instrument, it's like a language. It's like, mm-hmm. he's just
1: talking. He's just talking. Right?
0: Yeah. Some Somebody will play some shit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just starts playing along. With, I'm like, yeah. how the
1: fuck did that happen? Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> you know? And that's the same thing about improv, right? Yeah. Improv is a skill that you practice, right? If you improv a lot, then you're good at it. Music is the same. If you improvise a lot, then you become good at improvising. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same. Like English and music can be compared with the same analogies and uh, same similes and stuff like that.
0: Oh, that's crazy! Yeah. So, if you were to teach somebody how to play the
1: guitar, how would you start it? Then I'm, you know. And- so, of course, you need uh, like, like the basic muscles. Like, mm-hmm. uh, make sure their fingers don't bleed out in the first week or something. Like, oh, make it's sure.
0: Bleed. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> I have no. My fingers are so soft right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so give them some muscle memory first, of mm-hmm. course. And step two is just listening to a shit ton of music. Mm. Just give them every single genre possible. Have them absorb what other musicians are doing, and make them understand the sounds first, right? Before they can play a ba da 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 like mm-hmm. they know the sound first. They can sing ba da da da, and then they learn on the instrument, right? They learn the context or when you use that, and. Why are we using it is not as important. It's more as uh, when should I re- reply with this phrase?
0: You mm, get what I mean? Because
1: it's not about understanding why understanding is understanding, right? It's more about when to use the word understanding. Yeah. Would that yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah, at all. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, So I would just sit the kid down, ask a couple of friends to come jam and just like have him like try to understand what we're doing, right? Uh, especially if he's a very young kid, like let's say two to five years old, right? All we're doing during those three years i won't explain anything just have him sit with a guitar watch us play Mm. like just watch us jam and just like chilling as musicians like communicating with improvisation and stuff like that and eventually almost a hundred percent sure he'll pick up most of it and then he'll start doing it at the same level as as the professionals when he's five years old that's crazy like i'm i'm almost a hundred percent sure because if you compare it to a language like English, if you put a, uh, a three-year-old here and he just listens to a podcast like for two years, you bet he's going to speak the English fluently,
0: right? It's like that dude from um, that one Korean band. He learned how to speak English through watching Friends.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just by osmosis, right? Just mm. like absorbing it. And let's put a more uh, practical example, right? Why do you see some kids at three years old speaking like an adult? It's because their parents didn't treat them as little kids. Uh, Most parents go like, oh, how are you? Like, they just Mm -hmm. go like the little cutesy talk, whatever. But the only thing you're doing with doing cutesy talk to your kid is that they're going to start speaking cutesily, right? They're Mm going to speak like a baby. But the kids are three years old that speak fluently. Their language is because their parents, they talk to them like an adult since Mm -hmm. they were born. Yeah. Like, "Uh, hey, Tom, like, do you want to eat? And then the kid will go like, yes, I want to eat because they've been hearing how the parents communicate. For as long as he's being born.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I've, 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 I. I don't know if it made sense. No, that does does make sense. That that does make sense, man. It's just, you know, I mean, you definitely do have an ability and a skill that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. You know, it's 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 talent. Mm. You know, there's talent, and obviously, like hard work is there too, and a little bit of luck and a little bit of grace. Everything kind of comes together. Definitely. You know. And I guess, like for you, you know, before we sign off, like. What what's like some advice that you can give to somebody who wants to go into the same route? Because I have also have other fans who, you know, like you watched my videos, yeah, but yeah. they never turned out as well as you did. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, this is like from my perspective of things. Sometimes yeah. people their confidence precedes their skill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's 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 the stuff that I get scared about <laughs> for a lot of <laughs> kids, right? They go, yeah. oh, I I've seen you know Ruben do it, so I can do it, and they yeah. go out and they they kind of. I think the difference between you. And them is that you did the due diligence first, mm-hmm. and then the the idea of becoming famous and yeah. you know being known for your stuff comes after because the due the, 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 the due, due diligence. diligence was done first, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So I guess like for you, if somebody says that hey, I want to be a Ruben, uh-huh. like what what would you suggest that they do?
1: They want to be a Ruben,
0: like in terms of like music and where their career wants to go, because uh-huh. there are already people like that now. Yeah, 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 you know.
1: So first of all, figure out financial stability, right? Mm-hmm. Your career needs to make sense before you actually pursue it, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot, uh, be worried about paying rent next month and do music. It's just any job whatsoever. Right? You cannot be worried about paying rent. So make sure everything you're doing is making sense financially first, because that's going to take a big stress off of it just from the get go, right? Like you can focus on your art when you don't have to focus about where you're going to sleep next <laughs> yeah, month, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure all the numbers make sense, right? Okay. Okay. Um, why I need 10,000 followers. It's because 10,000 followers will give me um 40,000 streams in this month if I release a song. And those 40,000 streams equals X amount of money and I can pay rent. And once you can pay rent, focus on everything else. Everything else that you love, right? Like whether it's due diligence, playing your instrument, or whether you're trying to network with people. And due diligence can be explained in many ways. I feel like I haven't done enough. I've just been... Like I just said, like a little bit of luck, a little bit of grace, Uh, but always know that success is when opportunity meets preparation, Mm -hmm. like without the both things, you don't get success, right? You need to be prepared at all times to just do your skill, right? Like at any moment, if somebody asks you, show me your skill, you need to be ready. If you're not ready, then you miss your opportunity and you don't get that, um, like that door that they just offered you, right? And you just lost your chance completely. I was lucky enough that I tried my best to always be prepared no matter what situation I was put in. Um, And when the opportunity actually came, I just answered to the door and just uh, made sure I gave a good impression. And that put me in places that other people that were not prepared didn't get a chance to be at, right? And last but not least, something that gets overseen a lot in the music industry is how you portray yourself you know a lot of people are into the flex culture or just like being rude in general especially with musicians musicians can get very rude and stuff but i feel like for me being more on the quiet side and like um i call it fake humble because at the end of the day i'm a narcissist yeah Uh, but like not showing off as like oh yeah i did this i did that like yesterday i made ten thousand dollars and blah 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 right not showing that type of personality actually attracts more people to like actually find find out what I do, right? And by starting conversation and getting people interested in who I am, like, oh, how can he be at this level and still be nice, right? That will make people come to you and ask you. And when they ask you, that's a more real connection than actively networking, right? Yeah. And I don't know, it's it's a bunch of things that have to come together, but preparation meets opportunity and just be a nice person.
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure, there's this idea of, like I told the story too, where I remember when I was in San Diego, there was a kid who he kind of stood up and then he had this whole, I mean, it was, it was, it was this conversation about like how Asian parents don't support what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, we hear this a lot and I've, I understand, and I and I understand both sides right because as I get older, I start to empathize more specifically with our parents, you know, what they have to go through and the kind of what they want to see us do. They don't want us to see a struggle. and yeah. you kind of already brought that to where you think about, okay, well, I have to make sure I'm financially stable, so I don't have to struggle with my art, mm-hmm. which is very sound. And I don't think a lot of people say that. You know, people think that, oh, I'm going to be the starving artist. Trust me. When you're the starving artist, it's hard. You're like, starving. It, you're, you're literally starving. You know, like, <laughs> it, it fucking sucks. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to be creative. You know, some people can really work through that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's like that idea of when people talk about um, generational wealth in this country. A lot of mm-hmm. that generational wealth happens because there was a generation before them that set them up for success. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're doing for yourself when you kind of set yourself up financially so you could work on your art. Yes. If, if I were to make a simple comparison. But... There was a kid in San Diego when I was doing the show, where he was like, "Oh, I hate the fact that my parents won't let me do what I want. I actually don't even want to be in college right now." And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, "Okay, cool. So what do you want to do?" He's like, I want to be a musician. I was like, oh, "All right, cool. So what do you do?" He's like, "He goes, oh, I sing and I play guitar." I was like, "Cool, man. Well, guess what?" It's like 400, 500 people here. I have a guitar right now. Yeah. You could perform something for us. Yeah. He goes, "Ah, oh, I don't want to." I was like, "You're full of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't have the skill or the confidence to come up here and perform." Yeah, yeah. it's like that's bullshit you know
1: and that was his opportunity and <laughs> he didn't he wasn't prepared i guess and that could have been his first 500 followers that could yeah. have kick-started his career you know
0: yeah a lot of people and are full of shit yeah you know? they, they 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 think it's so easy for somebody to sit down and say that oh you're you're so lucky you did all this other stuff but it's like if you were given the same opportunity you wouldn't have been able to capitalize yeah. on it and that's the biggest difference yeah. you know i think a lot of people like to they like to be the backseat driver. They love to give instructions to people, but when you put them at the wheel, they don't know what the fuck to yeah, yeah. do. And it's it's hard in this yeah. generation. It's easy on Twitter for people to go ahead and shit on somebody, to have yeah. opinions about stuff. But when it comes to what they have to do, they're silent. Yeah. It's like That's why I said say it too. I, I put it out recently that I was like, most people, when they send me stuff that they're gonna fuck me up i'm a fucking you'll never say to my face Mm -hmm. 99.9 percent of people will not say that to my face Mm -hmm. because it's you have an avatar where there's no face to it yeah it's easy for you to dm somebody because you're probably in your room in your basement and nobody gives a fuck about you Mm -hmm. and you're hoping that when i read that it ruins my day yeah but it doesn't ruin my day you know it used to when i was younger Mm -hmm. now it's just like entertainment it's like oh shit like i'm really fucked with this person so bad (laughs) (laughs) so mad you know (laughs) Yeah. You know, my friends know too, they always see me giggling. It's like, what are you giggling about? And I show them the message. Uh-huh. And like, doesn't that make you mad? It's like, yeah. no, it's just it's just funny that they're expecting a certain reaction out of me. And it makes me laugh that their day is ruined because of something I did. It's yeah. like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, why are you so mad, bro? Like, yeah. it's the weirdest thing. You know, I, you know, yeah, so opportunity and that idea of success is, is very congruent. It kind of comes together. And
1: yes, like luck makes a little bit of course, Of course, there's equation, always a little bit of luck,
0: you know, but that's not the whole picture. That's
1: not the whole picture. And if you really, really crave for it, you'll find a way to find that opportunity. Like, it's not like you have to wait for it to fall from heaven. Like, if you really crave for it, your preparation will seek that opportunity and you'll find it.
0: Yeah, I love that too. And I had talked about this on this podcast and there's still people who don't understand it. They go, well, you're saying you're not lucky at all. Listen here, you fucking dumb fuck. I keep telling you, it's not. I'm not saying that luck has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying it's a part of the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody has these lucky opportunities. Yeah, yeah. It's about who capitalizes on it. Yeah, and who made the smarter moves. It's just, it's just so more complicated than just to and, say that somebody's lucky.
1: And here's a a very ex, uh, recent example, right? Somebody told me they really want music placements, right? They want their music to do like sync licensing and getting plays on shows like that, right? And they're like, but I'm not getting the opportunities. I'm like, yo, literally go to Netflix right now go to the credits of whatever show you like, look for the music supervisor, stalk the crap out of that name. (laughs) And it may happen, you know, like you never know. Just find them on LinkedIn or something, email them and tell them, hey, what music do you need? I got a catalog. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. You finding the opportunity, you know, like, and it may not happen that way, but I've heard so many people that actually did do it that way, right? Just like uh, find the people that will make your career happen, stalk the crap out of them, email them reach out and you might be surprised at the outcome of it yeah you never know you like, never know like, the last
0: podcast uh, yeah. i talked about wanting to talk to this dude china mac and yeah was like, I, I was like i dm'd him <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, you know that's what i did and <laughs> yeah. he was here right yeah. like yeah then it's as simple as just having the boss to reach out if you yeah. really crave it you'll find a way to achieve it yeah
0: 100 percent. well guys yeah. uh that wraps up this podcast i hope you guys enjoyed that um before this podcast ends though uh I would love for you to play some music and sure. I want to kind of put it throughout the podcast so people kind of get a
1: feel of who you are. Okay. But uh, where can they find you, man? Uh, you can find me everywhere at Ruben Wan, R U B E N W A N, Spotify, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. It, everything is Ruben Wan.
0: Perfect. So you guys yeah. can go ahead and support and check him out. He's actually one of my favorite like musicians out there right now, specifically the way he creates content and always support people that you really, really fuck with and enjoy. Just because you know about them doesn't mean that everybody else will. So uh, remember Genius Brains every uh, Thursdays and Sundays, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Peace. Bye-bye.